Welcome back to the Advanced Advertising Theater. We're about to start our fantastic panel, The Art and Science of In-App Ads, Cracking Big Brand Budgets here at the Advanced Advertising Pavilion. And to kick us off is our fabulous moderator who's going to introduce his panelists and really, um, I think, get you all whipped up into a frenzy. Um, And as a reminder, we're broadcasting live on voiceamerica.com and on Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a big hand for Mike Bloxham, Senior Vice President for Frank... Uh, Kalos, make that hand as big as you possibly can in the (laughs) true spirit of Mr. Trump. Okay, um, good morning all. Uh, So I'm supposed to be whipping you into a frenzy which conjures up all sorts of peculiar and faintly dodgy uh, images, uh, at least in my mind, here at NAB. Um, But Laurie got it wrong. I'm not going to introduce anybody. Uh, I don't believe in moderators droning on, mostly inaccurately, about their guests, or for that matter, just reading what you may already have read yourself somewhere in in the uh, program guide. So what I'm going to do is ask the gentleman to my left to actually introduce themselves. And as a part of that introduction, just, just explain where you sit within the ecosystem of what we're currently calling advanced advertising um as many of you here will realize we've we've called that space different things over the years and undoubtedly will again but for now let's at least stick with advanced advertising so let's let's do the obvious thing and start from this end mike who are you why are you here what do you do well it's las vegas i'm i'm here for lots of reasons um my name is michael bologna and i work for a company called one-to-one media and today is actually day three of week number four. Uh, Prior to that, I spent 19 years within the WPP Group M organization focusing on advanced video advertising. So what one-to-one essentially is, is an independent um, ad company where we work with various advertisers and take data, match it against subscriber files of MVPDs, set-top boxes, connected devices that have technology to insert commercials to an individual. So we're essentially taking the television business, matching it to an individual, and sending a commercial only to a particular household that is in the market to buy a luxury vehicle, then use the technology in the boxes to send the commercials just to those households, pay for the delivery of those households, ignore the rest, and then go back to that advertiser a couple of months later and say, guess what? Here's how many households were exposed to your ad, and here's how many households bought the car. And we can extend that to thousands of different targets and thousands of different attributes and it's it's you know well it's well it's not the holy grail of television coming from a a medium that's been solely dependent on sample based um targeting and broad demography for so many years and very little attribution this is this is this is a big step and 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 we're excited we've been doing it at my previous company for 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 over four years and now we're looking forward to uh being an independent entity to uh, work with the rest of the industry on it. Cool. Um, next up is Don Liberty. I need you to throw some particular love at Don uh, because this morning he wasn't doing this panel. Um, uh, he actually bravely stepped up in the place of Juan Sola, who is unfortunately stuck in Chile, unharmed, but stuck in Chile as a result of the earthquake down there and the, the resulting transport chaos trying to get out. So, um, Don, many thanks for stepping up at short notice, but tell us not only why you've stepped in for, uh, for Juan, um, but also where you sit in the scheme of things. Yeah, absolutely. So I work at a company called UI.TV along with Jason, um, and I've been working with Juan uh, for over a year and a half to help him 
create a better digital ad experience with our technology. And so I'm here to represent one, I'm trying to represent the broadcaster, so is any content people in the audience having a hard time monetizing their OTT applications after they get to market? Um, that's what one is trying to do, and that's what we've had significant success in the past with. And I can talk a little bit about the case studies they've done with Coca-Cola, and what we're trying to do together to make that a little bit more um, uh, scale in, instead of individual sponsorship opportunities. You don't look like one. No. Yeah, you can I actually. Got a haircut. You can decide for yourselves who's better looking, <laughs> uh, whether whether Don is a good replacement on that scale or not. But it has at least evened up the the facial hair to no facial hair ratio, which no panel can actually proceed without. And he has a much better accent. So if he was here, he'd do it justice. And accents are, of course, so important Absolutely. in life. Jason. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, we're here uh, representing kind of a technology piece for this, what we can enable for that. So many of the uh, big media companies use our stuff. Obviously, Turner and Fox are ones we were going to talk about on this this panel, but we help them kind of own the glass. So uh, many of these media companies have 100, 200 apps in market, and they've built these all individually. We give them this one code base so that they can build a consistent experience on every platform, not just iOS, Android, but Xbox and PS4 and Roku. So for NBA, it can be a deep, rich experience in every platform. But then they've pushed us to say, great, you're helping us own this glass surface. And there's this monetization thing. We have the 30-second ad, and it, it, it does the bulk of the monetization. It's not even targeted very well. Let's do that. And then what's next? And I think that's what we want to show you. And, and Juan over here with a little bit shorter hair is going to talk about some of the really cool stuff and success they've had. And we can show some of the things that we've been doing on, on the Turner Ad Labs as well. Okay. Um, and for those who, who care in the slightest, um, I'm Mike Bloxham. Um, an SVP of Frank Maggot Associates, who basically has spent the last 60 years doing a, a huge amount of consumer-oriented research and consulting across all areas of media. And I personally have been involved doing this kind of stuff for pitifully close to 30 years, um, looking at all of those advanced advertising platforms as they've come along and been advanced, fizzled out, grown, become the norm, and then new ones have come along and been advanced as well. Um, so to put some of this in context, obviously there, there surely can be nobody at this entire convention who hasn't got their heads to some extent around the fact that there's a hell of a lot of change going on in the space. If you haven't become aware of that, then perhaps you're actually at the wrong convention and next week's crochet convention is, is what you should be waiting for. Um, but it, it is interesting. I mean, you know, the data tells it as well as the fact we all know it. We all talk about it. Um, some of the research that we do at Magid looking at the way people consume different things has actually for the last few years now has had a growing and significant number of respondents, especially those at the younger end of the spectrum, saying that their mobile devices are in their eyes their principal channel of entertainment. Now, that doesn't just mean video. It means everything that you can do to entertain yourselves with a mobile phone or a tablet and so forth. But it does speak, I think, in an interesting way to the context that is evolving uh, with regard to consumer behavior and different forms of entertainment, including majorly video. Um, and it speaks to the context that advertisers and everybody in the ecosystem is having to evolve within, um, both from the point of view of, of identifying uh, and monetizing opportunities, but also responding to some of the challenges that inevitably come along with change. Um, you look like you're about to say something. I saw, I saw him flinch well, in the microphone. The, 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 the millennials is, is in the younger I tried the younger not to audience. use the M word. Well, that's what you were getting at. And younger. And younger. So... There's two things, I think, that to address them. One is tough nuggies, and another is a solution. So advertising is particularly, as it relates to television advertising, 
you're going to get that whether you like it or not. If you do not want to see an ad on television, for the most part, that is too bad because the advertising that is shown adjacent to the programming is what pays for the programming. So I don't care whether you're 12 years old or 16 year old, a millennial, you're going to you're going to get advertising whether you whether you like it or not, right? If you're watching television. Now, the solution to that is I think one thing that all of us have in common and that's creating different types of advertising or different types of ad formats, albeit targeting, creative to make this individual who's less likely to be receptive to normal traditional advertising more relevant to them. Um, you know, I'll let the gentleman to my left talk about their approach to that, but, but our approach to that at one-to-one is simply by identifying who's living in that household and who's watching that television and then sending them the appropriate commercial, but not stopping there, right? Once they see the appropriate commercial, then we can track that back to some type of sale, new customer lift attribution. So from the advertiser's perspective, the person, the CMO, whom he or she is looking to reach that particular individual, in this case, it's under 21, they will have some satisfaction in the sense that their video advertising will not only be delivered to the appropriate viewer, but we will actually determine how well it worked. Because for years in the television business, we look at 119 million TV households and we measure them on a panel of 20,000. And anyone who thinks that 20,000 people have the same viewing patterns as 119 million, they're a little cuckoo. So the technology does exist today in half of those 119 million households to identify particular attributes of a household, send the commercials just to those households, pay only for the delivery of the spots of those households, ignore everybody else, and then tie it back to a sale. And in the television business, that's never been done before. So we're really starting to rip off some of the really, really cool things that have happened in the digital marketplace, both on tablets, smartphones, PCs, over the past eight to 10 years, and now applying that to to the big screen. Now, who owns the glass? That's something that that, that my colleagues over here mentioned before. That's going to be a debate for uh, a little bit later, but I think addressing the millennials is important. Right, and I think there, you know, so I agree ads are a part of the reality. The thing is they're subscribing to Netflix and they're not seeing ads and they're getting awesome content, content all they want all day. However, there's been tests run. Here is a service and it's got lots of great content subscription. Here's the same service ads. 80% more of the people will take the ad version, right? So we know ads are relevant, but we are training millennials right now that you can get all the content you want. And, you know, luckily they've, in the last five years, we've made content accessible enough. They're not downloading content anymore, but they were, they are getting content without ads. So I think there is room to say, okay, if you're seeing it without here, what do we need to bring there to kind of make it more engaging? So making it targeted for sure. People, and we've done, uh, Turner Ad Lab's done a lot of research on this. An ad that's relevant to you does not upset you. An ad that's irrelevant. For me to see 10 Swiffer ads or 10 BMW ads when I'm an Audi guy, that just pisses me off, right? So targeted's a big part of it, but then what else can we do, right? Just because that's what we do, I think, is an interesting one. I think it's an important point there. Uh, you know, if it's an ad that you perceive to be relevant to you, it doesn't, uh, you know, it, it's... Um it may engage you. The, I think the real thing is it doesn't necessarily piss you off. It doesn't trans- transition you into someone who likes that ad. There's a lot talked about where people say, oh, people like ads when. Mostly they don't. 
and, you know. and, and the brands, brands aren't getting association to the show. I know, yeah. like, Big Bang Theory is a really cool show for a certain demographic. They've proven that mentally your brain turns off, the ad comes on. You're not associating Swiffer, uh, and I love Swiffer. You're not associating Swiffer to Big Bang Theory. You are mentally changed your, your mindset. Whereas if you can bring that into the experience, either in the video, on the video, or in the interface, I think that gets more association. And, and maybe, and Don can certainly talk to some of the stuff that, that Fox was doing around that. And we have a video, I think. Do we have a video? I don't know. I was about to ask Laurie, do we have a video? Uh, but she's on her phone, so. Uh, we do have a video. I got a thumb up from that Laurie over right. there. Yeah. Yes. You want to roll? Oh, now she's paying attention. I called her out. Where it's being streamed live to four hundred thousand people the video on Facebook. Already, I think. You reckon? She was telling her friend over there. Anyway, do you want to run this video? Sure. I, I think there's an audio track on here. This is to break it up so you don't get to listen to us for constantly. Excellent. Sure. So, again, this is I'll represent Juan Sola and Fox as a broadcaster. And while Juan is very um, Linear revenue is the bulk of their business, but he runs the OTT and the digital business as well. And they're seeing less revenue on linear, and they're you know trying to get more ad sponsorship and more ad revenue on the OTT boxes. And they're using this, and he realizes that you know the users need to come first in this uh, paradigm. And Netflix and Amazon have trained these users not to want the distraction of an ad to stop your time. So he's working with us to do interesting things like, and I don't know why the video is it's probably running from the internet. I think, I think they're trying to get audio, but if, if you can't have audio, we can. We don't need the audio. It's awesome audio, though. It's really... Uh... So we're looking at really interesting, engaging experiences to help fund that video, whether it's buying opportunities from an Amazon or whether it's uh, lower thirds, uh, buying a pizza, any kind of other monetization opportunities that they can use that aren't intrusive to the user, but actually adds value to their experience. So again... When I hear this debate, it's interesting because it's always, yes, you need to pay for the content and ads are one way to pay for the content. We all know they're intrusive. We all know users don't love them unless maybe they're targeted. But even companies like Fox and NBC are looking at what the user really wants and hopefully will become less less disruptive with linear ads and 30 cents. I think they're even lowering the 30 to 28 and 27 and, and yeah. gradually shrinking them over time to make it a little bit less disruptive. There's a lot of experimentation going on in that space, Viacom, Turner, and uh, NBC. They, they've been playing around with that. We've Absolutely. yet to see results. Yeah, I think Turner's doing like two-minute ones where you're actually yeah. getting engaged in a conversation instead right. of seeing four ads. So it's good to do that in stages, and I, and I do applaud all the major networks for, for doing it in stages, but don't forget, they have the liberty to have it both ways, right? You take broadcast. If their audience drops... All they do is raise the price, and all these advertisers wait in line to write a check. So their revenue's coming in. So their business is stable, right? It's been a, it's been a seller's market for, for some time now. So it's giving them new opportunities to focus on some of these new some of these new formats, and, and they're doing it in stages. So Fox, in particular, has made made some recent announcements about taking data, applying it to their linear programming, and helping advertisers buy national linear schedules based on how those schedules deliver against segments that are more granular than your typical Nielsen demography. Now, that's light years away from these very advanced formats that we're talking about here, but it's a step in the right direction. And, you know, it's important that the big advertisers think about that, and it's important that the major networks work towards that. But at the end of the day, a lot of the data, 
a lot of the technology and a lot of the infrastructure to work with these advanced ad formats do live within the MVPDs and within the set-top boxes, and that's not a barrier that's easy to avoid. So. That's a good point. We're talking a lot about linear and MVPDs though. So we have a lot of businesses who have digital businesses. One, myself being one of them in LATAM. And I build all the apps for mobile and we distribute it authenticated through MVPDs. Um, and we do, do ad revenue through that. But the CPMs you get on the digital ad revenue, the currency is very, very low. Um, and the only way that we in LATAM have been able to increase that is through higher level direct sponsorship campaigns with Coca-Cola's on the, an Olympics campaign. Um, and this is where I think digital, you, you had a good point, it, it's, a, it's a progression, it's not going to happen overnight. So how do you get more ad revenue spend on OTT if you can't increase the CPMs because we don't have the, the data or it's not validated because it's not a currency issue. So the one way Juan has done it, and the case study that this went through that Juan was going to take everyone through is how he built a really cool sponsorship campaign around Coca-Cola for the Olympics where he was able to basically get the Powerade brand to overtake Gatorade in that one month for the first time ever in Latin America with a linear and digital ad uh, um, program around that month where they would put bottom thirds and integrate it directly into the viewing on the player window, completely immersive. The problem with that is it took about, he calls it manumatic, it took about six months, an army of people to put that campaign together in which he can do two a year. His sales guys were like, can I do 20 of those? Yeah, if you give me another army and then it's not cost effective. But he increases ad revenue from 500,000 annually from Coke to 500,000 in that one month. So in, in about, that's an interesting point. So I know very little about the Latin American business. I'm actually not even sure where Latin America is. What I do know in the US is that there's a couple of ways that we've monetized in-app advertising, right? And, and, and it's going in the right direction. So the, the, the first way of monetizing in-app advertising is simply part of the television upfront in what we call fluidity deals. And that's when all the major networks put their programming available up on their app right. that's accessible via tablet, smartphone, or smart TV. It's accessible, right? And, and those CPMs tend to linger around your regular broadcast CPMs, not so much higher. However, we also have scenarios where an advertiser will aggregate together app inventory across all connected televisions, devices that connect the televisions to the internet. And that's a very good insurance policy against viewers that we might not have reached on television. And those CPMs are in turn higher because of the effectiveness. And then the third tier of in-app in advertising is when you add an interactive experience. In the US, we haven't done a ton of um, extended overlays, what I call them, but we've had overlay components to it. So we'll have a commercial that'll run via an app on a smart television. The viewer then will be prompted and the viewer will click on it that'll take them through to an interactive experience. Well, there'll be video, there'll be further interactivity. And we've done that with probably about 25 advertisers in 2016. And now we're talking CPMs that are triple what Example one is, so I think that advertisers, at least in the U.S., do appreciate the value of an in-app advertising experience. We've just found that it needs to be tailored to them somehow, whether it be in the sense of 
the ad itself being targeted or whether it be this in the sense of an interactive overlay slash experience that they can click to collect more information and then if that's tied back to some type of result or an attribution then the advertiser's happy they write another check we come full circle we do it again you know one thing that really interests me about this whole space and, and as you know mike i did a lot of work back in the uk a long time ago when we had the whole interactive tv thing going um that whole red button thing yeah that and various other bits and bobs and it was kind of interesting because you ended up with with one thing that i think that we always need whenever we're trying to develop a particular area that is new um, and to, to give advertisers the confidence and the evidence they need internally to start justifying anything other than experimental budgets. And, and that's enough data that says what other advertisers have achieved, preferably within their category. And I remember doing a presentation here in the States based on a whole load of, of UK data that people had shared together to that end, saying, well, this is what car companies are achieving with that kind of approach, and this is what um, travel companies and financial services companies are achieving with this type of execution and the variations around it. So I think we need that kind of stuff. But, Don, you also mentioned this term, manumatic. I've... It seems to me that one of the things which is going to make it difficult, Mike, I think you alluded to it when we were upstairs, is the issue of of process, workflow, standards. You know, these are clearly innovations which are relevant. They're clearly innovations which a lot of people are trying to structure in a way that they resonate with consumers, that they align with whatever it is consumers get out of the programming and what makes them come back and be as loyal viewers and try and try and, and get that associative benefit. But unless we can actually seamlessly scale the process of doing it so that everybody in the chain can actually make their margin whether it's agency, whether it's technology provider, and ultimately whether it's advertiser or media owner, um, that that's going to be a huge hurdle and, and could kill the thing dead. Not wanting to be too gloomy, so I mean, what's going to what's going to enable us to there's, there's, address those issues successfully? Long so question. It depends on who you serve, right? Uh, you know, I serve agencies and advertisers, and there's no doubt that I can reduce their waste and improve their targeting by getting the right commercial to the right household at the right time at the right frequency but to do that i'm working with 15 different constituents 30 different data partners 25 different technologies so there is no process you know my partner refers to us as a, as a human dashboard and that's 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 something that's that's very true so i'm I'm optimistic that the process will become less manual and more automated for all types of of, of advanced advertising, not just the video piece that that I focus on. But I think the folks, those of us that focus on the future of advertising, our energy and our efforts are definitely directed on the customers that we serve. Do you serve a content provider? Do you serve an MVPD? Do you serve an advertiser? Do you serve an agency? Do you serve your own pocket? So that's, to some extent, I don't want to call it a barrier, but a slight hurdle of going from a manual advanced video process to an automated process is where everyone in the ecosystem's priorities lie. And for this, just sort of sake, just before we come in, Jason, for the sake of argument, uh, but it's a genuine argument, I don't think it's a slight hurdle. I think it's a stonking great barrier. Yeah. No question. I, I was going to say that. Stonking. The, the, I was going to say another I'll, word. I'll flip it around. I mean, I'm a, a serial entrepreneur, so I'll flip it around. The opportunities here for companies to come in and take tech is incredible. Like, this is a 60-year-old industry that made a standard called a 30-second ad, and we all know it's going to 
change. And, you know, Tim Cook, I think, famously said the future of TV is apps. And sure, he meant the obvious, which is you're going to get TV on your phone and your Xbox and your PS4. But I also think what he meant is all the innovation that came along with apps, right? They reinvented. They have freemium. They have in-app purchases. They have funky ads. They have they have content that is melted into the app, which is an ad. That kind of innovation has to come to this industry. But the buyers, they want to say, hey, I've got $100 million. How do I spend it? Okay, well, we've got, you know, 50K, 100K, 400K. No, no, I need to spend $100 million. I'm, I'm Swiffer. I don't know what their budgets are. It's it's in the, it's huge, right? So you need to, you do need to automate this and it's going to break out into tiers. And I think that's why, you know, Fox is being really innovative doing this manumatic, which I, I, I love the word. It's, it's a, a bit of a mix of Spanish and English in there. Um, and, but they've got to automate some of that stuff. And I think you're going to see a lot of really cool things out there, but eventually there's going to have to be standards. And so Turner Ad Labs is an interesting, you know, kind of open organization looking at what these can be. But if we can't find some standards, but then also like, you need to keep it creative, right? The advertisers want to do that. Yeah. I have a question for you. So I agree with everything you said, and you're talking a lot about Fox. So putting my agency buyer hat back on for, for, for a second in my previous life, that's great that Fox does it one way, and if Fox does it perfectly, that's great. But if NBC, CBS, the CW, Viacom, Turner, Discovery, if they all don't do it the same way, it's no good to us. And then, then we're then agencies and advertisers are stuck working in vacuums and funnels with every network, and the networks don't care if their money's still coming in. And that's so the burden really then becomes on the buy side and the advertiser side to somehow stitch everything together. Do you think that Fox's approach is the right one and the other networks would and should follow? Or do you think it's a medium ground? I, I, I think they're breaking new ground. And I think that this idea of monetization, helping a brand do something special, like, and this is normal. They, and they also do stuff if they're, if they're hosting a soccer event, the whole stadium, every picks, every board in the stadium is brandable. The, the, the lanyard you wear at the event is brandable. To me, a lot of that thinking is coming to video, but you also in parallel have to rethink the original and have to have vol- things you can buy in volume. Is it going to be a lower third? I mean, YouTube's kind of got that. It's not worth a lot of value. Maybe. I think both are going to happen. Fox is really pushing that um, custom experience. Um, I think eventually, though, we have to find more than just a 30-second ad. Is it an overlay, a lower third? Is it a, a squeeze credit at the end? Is it customizing content in the video? We, you know, um, It was hard to see in the video, but you know, as things are driving by, if you're a Pepsi fan, the truck can be Pepsi. If you're a Coke fan, it can be Coke. And you know, as long as that data is available, you can replace those pieces. So, so I think it's important to recognize we're talking about high-value sponsorship ads as the panel exists, right? Hot, big brands cracking those big brands. Then there's the programmatic side, which is completely different and needs to be completely through a system and a pipe. Um, and the difference is to uh, OTT and digital, I think they're going to start with those high-value sponsorships because they can manage those. Programmatic, I think, is a long way to go and a lot of tools and a lot of process. But the interesting thing there is I think the ad network is has the power to change it all. And if you get an ad network like a Facebook um, who says, you know what, we're going to run ads this way, we're going to make them 15 seconds. If you scroll through and you see five seconds of that, we're calling that an ad because they have the eyeballs. Yeah. I think companies like that are going to change the process by which ads are done. And then the broadcasters and Comcast and Viacom, they're going to have to figure it out. But what, what I see is, you know, at scale, these companies can change the world. Individually, the ad networks are going to have to get on board. 
I think we're beginning to identify the subject of another panel which could take us all day, which is the relationship between the traditional push-based advertising model that we represent as 30-second spots and the more sponsorship-slash-brand integration-based model, which I, for one, believe is going to become significantly more um, significant. Um, yeah. as we go forward in anything that is in any way shape or form interactive for sure um, we're going to start opening this up for questions uh, in a moment I think we have about 10 seconds delighted to see this lady down here put her hand up before I even mentioned that as as a shameless incentive I am going to f- underwrite the cost of your first cocktail because whoever comes up with what I subjectively regard as the best question is going to get a fresh slightly crunchy $20 bill out of my pocket so Can I get that too no, no. <laughs> You're not allowed. You've got to answer the question. And I'm not giving one for answers. Yes. Uh, hello. Um, great who, panel. Who are you? Uh, Kim Owens ah. uh, with Caffeine Bus. <laughs> I thought you looked vaguely familiar. I've seen your picture in my emails. <laughs> yes. Hi, Mike. Um, so I was at an interesting uh, session yesterday where IBM Watson, somebody, a representative, was talking about the way that they're utilizing AI to and machine learning to understand the context of a certain piece of content and really understand the affinity, you know, the uh, the sentiment and and therefore can actually hone in to improve the quality of the content. So when we're talking about people being forced to watch ads, is there any discussion around improving the quality of those ads so they're not so abrasive and uh, in addition to obviously targeting to something that people are interested in? So... There's, there's two ways to improve the quality of ads. One is what you just mentioned, and that's make the ad more relevant to the consumer. The other is in the creation of the ad itself, right? And that's that becomes challenging because in a perfect world, big agencies, big advertisers would love to have 50 different versions of a commercial in cut up in different ways, in different sizes, different formats, different shades, different time frames for all the different potential distribution mechanisms out so we would they would love to do that the problem is if it still costs a half a million dollars to create a 30 second spot there's not a whole lot of money left over basically what i'm saying in 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 short form is the cost right now to produce the multiple formats of a single ad is more than the return for distributing that ad on most of these different platforms. Big sponsorships, big, big, big applications like what they were talking about, that's a little bit of a different story, but we're still stuck with the big ad agencies charging a lot of money for very legacy type ad formats, and they don't want anybody messing with their commercials. And until we can sort of break that trend, we're stuck with another, not hurdle, what's it called? Stonking rate barrier. Stonking rate. So I'll answer it. I I think the technology is interesting. So I'll take a bit of a technology piece on it. So I think AI fits in three pieces. One is AI on the video itself. What's going on in the video? What's happening? When is it relevant to bring up an ad? Um, AI on the ads themselves. Maybe you can't afford to do 50, but maybe you can look across all of them and find out what's going on. And then um, then AI as well on on you yourself, the user and what you want. And, And those three coming together, I think, can do a lot of interesting things. There is some technology. I don't know if this has any legs but we're seeing a lot of this you give it a format it puts your face in it from Facebook it puts your friends in it you're having a comment there is some really interesting things they can do with technologically that's a long ways out but if you have enough data on somebody it is going to allow us to do more and I think it's on all the pieces of that ecosystem not just necessarily the ad um, so I, I think that's a that's an interesting one um, 
we'll see how that goes. And, and then, you know, throwing another tech, VR, right? What do you do in VR? And then AR is really interesting. Imagine when you're watching your show and you can have ads in AR. I think that's really interesting. And, and there's been a lot of research on that, the eyeball research, where we're going to look. And there has been a lot of, if you can put things off screen and they're interesting enough, people look at them and there's some value. So there's a lot of technology coming in here. I think there's a lot of room to even what we have today, though, just to improve what's here today. Yeah, I think there's another angle on this as well, very briefly. Uh, you mentioned context of the show, you know, the associations people have with the shows. Um, and to Mike's point, nobody's going to go out and make 19 different versions of a, of a commercial. But when you're looking at, um, you know, the core elements that underpin any mess any campaign the messaging um that there's that is always defined within any creative brief and one of the ways in which we know um small number of agencies are starting to approach uh the the way in which they do their buying is to take into account the emotional tonality of the environment which is going to be best for their ad campaign in the eyes of the viewer not how people in the business talk about shows but how viewers of those shows talk about them um, I know this we have a, a huge data set it's called emotional DNA and basically it categorizes from viewers the, the emotional tonality of thousands of primetime shows so there is the opportunity to some extent to at least inform the creative and the copy testing to get that kind of emotional alignment, which there's loads of research shows, enhances ad receptivity, willingness to purchase and so on. But it's, it's a big issue. It's, it's actually tougher to get to in some respects than the technology. Next question, please. We need competition for this lady down here for a cocktail. Who's going to steal it from her? They make a really good Moscow mule down at Bouchon. It comes in a little copper cup. Looks cute. They have a great gin and tonic as well. Where are we going? There we go. Man who wants a drink. Um, so I apologize if I don't have enough information. This might be an easy question. Uh, your name, sir? Uh, I am Sean. Um, I'm a video producer. I do a lot of corporate videos. Um, most of my clients are kind of mid-tier, so they don't have budgets like Coca-Cola, but are very interested in getting into what we're talking about. Um, what is available out there for those types of kind of mid-tier brands to start playing? So that's a good question. It's it's. Something that I've learned across the, you know, over the past 30 minutes is we've talked about both ends of the spectrum and it really is important that we recognize what's available today and manage that versus what we're all working towards in three years. But to answer your question directly, advertising is available for every single brand, for every single budget. I think for smaller brands, are we talking under 50 million, under 10 million? under five million so for brands like that in most cases you're going to focus more on highly targeted advertisements whether it whether it be in 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 video on the big screen or or display on a small screen highly targeted and most importantly highly accountable because you can't afford to waste any money coca-cola can spend 500 million on million dollars on television realize that they made a little bit of an error or could have done better and do that the brand that's spending you know a million dollars has to make every buck count so my suggestion would be regardless of the ad format or 
ad strategy or tactic you take that before going into it, before writing that initial check, you know exactly what you're going to get in terms of measurement on the back end. So you know if it didn't work, you'll never waste that nickel again. But if it did, you'll know how to double down and move forward. And I, and I would say that they, when you look at the number of services being offered, and I know we're looking about where the bulk of revenue is, which is through the linear, but if you look at what the trend that's happening with IPTV and the different services that come out, I mean, there's a channel for trout fishing, right? I mean, this is a long tail. And it, Damn and right there is. There, and, it's, and it's a great one. And, and so, you know, what's it going to cost to advertise on that? I mean, you, you already know what you should advertise, right? That's a very specific demographic. So I think there's lots of room for long tail as well. And that's not necessarily with even innovative ads, just traditional ads. As this innovation piece comes in, I think it's even better. But there's huge opportunity in this long tail of services out there. And not everybody's going to pay a subscription. How many subscriptions are you going to pay for nine bucks a month to get SVODs, right? Subscription basic. It's a- AVODs are going to be huge. I'm going to want to watch the trout fishing channel for uh, a couple of days, and I'm probably not going to want to watch it for a lot more. So I'm not going to subscribe, but I'd love to watch it. So to me, advertising has to bleed into long tail even more than others. So I think it, if you look at the future of ads, there's a lot more room for the for the non-big buys. But I think we're talking about some ideas here where the big brands can do some really innovative things too. I think the scary thing for all of us is social is actually what you're looking for, right? And I don't know if mainstream media, other than niche content plays, offers you that level of targeting that social does, and that's what should scare everybody. Okay, unless there's one more question from the floor, I'm going to ask the last question, and who knows, I may even judge it as the best and keep my 20. Would I do that? Um, All righty. We talked about a lot of the opportunities and a lot of the challenges, et cetera, et cetera. Um, From each of you, I'd like to know the the key two or three things, um, this is softball, that you think um, need to happen from one part of the ecosystem or another to enable us to make some kind of significant progress over the next handful of years so that we actually say this advanced advertising stuff isn't so advanced anymore it's getting closer to being the norm i have three words wonderful Um, reliable data consistent technology and automation technically that was five but i think we get the idea it's good right that's five can't add either. I don't know where South America is. Yeah, he doesn't do the, the, the numbers know. thing. He's a strategy guy. So I'm going to say results um, that are scalable. Right now you mentioned, you know, what we're doing in, in Fox is, uh, or what they're doing is manumatic and not scalable. I think if you can do that at a scalable level and show real results to others, that they will follow because people are desperate to find what works. So I'll just stick with the two. Man, I, I wish I could disagree with Mike, but I I, I will agree with uh, with the five that he said. But I think really the one I will say is time, right? It's it's time. I think there's a huge trend happening. The TV world is under mass disruption, and the bulk of revenue is going to change how it's done, how it's measured, how you get content. So I think that's going to as that continues to happen, this becomes all those things have to happen, but they will. I think if if not, Facebook will roll over everybody, right? And 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 that's you know as much as I'd love to see Facebook do well. We need lots of diversity. The, the thing I wouldn't want to see happen is one app on one provider with one. That's not what any of us want. We want lots of rich content, how we want, where we want, when we want, in the model we want. And that requires um, us to continue to see this change in our viewing behaviors and technology come in and solve that. We right? would love Reliably. it if Facebook would stop grading their own homework, too. <laughs> yes. So yeah. We don't love that part. From Jason, that was clearly three words. I, I thank you for thank your brevity. You. Thank sir. you. I'm going to answer my own question. I'm just going to say... Um, 
keeping the human consent human centric component into this data is immensely important and, it, and the way we get our data the way we use our data enables us to do things differently and and more effectively but it doesn't it's not in any way human centered and if we take out that we lose the fact that the reason people engage with content is because it 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 moves them you know you only watch video content because it makes you feel and we need to tap into how it makes people feel why it makes them feel that way in the way that we shape our planning and our buying for our advertisers and in the way that we create the inventory that they are able to buy in the first place that would be my three words so there we go all right 20 bucks uh, nah, I'm not going to do that. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Stick around. There is loads more groovy content coming up here at the Advanced Advertising Pavilion. Would you please um, give it up, as I believe they say, in cooler circles than those in which I move, for our three panelists, Mike, Don, Jason. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Whoa. Uh, we also have all of this content streaming live on voiceamerica.com slash live events for audio and on Voice America's Facebook page. And if you're interested in looking at all this on demand later, give your business card to Jeremy and we'll make sure to uh, send you all the links. Everything's going to be available by podcast. Thanks so much. One o'clock, we have another session and stick around for more interviews and thoughts here at the Advanced Advertising Pavilion with some lovely feedback to go with your lunch. Thank you so much.